take a second and think back to the sex education you had in school. Did it prepare you to have a healthy and happy relationship with sex and identity? If it was anything like mine, it was stigmatizing, judgmental, and totally unhelpful. But not to worry. The experts are here to offer the sex ed we wish we had. Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. We're a feminist podcast and multimedia platform bringing you all the sex ed you never got through unique and entertaining storytelling, centering LGBTQ and BIPOC experts. We cover an array of sex education topics like abortion, period management, sex and disability, pleasure, reproductive justice, healthy relationships, BDSM, birth control, sex in the media, and so much more. We believe that everyone deserves comprehensive, inclusive, pleasure-centered, medically accurate sex education. Follow along with us as we revolutionize the way we talk about sex and tune into Sex Ed with DB wherever you get your podcasts. Too often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be Well, Sis podcast. I am your host, Dr. Cassandra Dunbar. How has life been treating you, but more importantly, how have you been treating yourself? Me, I have been good. I've been treating myself better because I have been consistently going to those dang orange theory fitness classes. It takes me a lot to get there, but once I'm done, I'm like, you know what? I'm happy I did that. So I've been honoring my commitment to myself and trying to pour into my physical temple and trying to get in shape and trying to actually feel good in my body. I want to be strong again and I'm on my on that journey. So um, I have been treating myself better <laughs> and I hope that you have been too. So before we hop into today's conversation, which is a really good one, I always say that because I genuinely really appreciate the women that I get a chance to speak to. I just feel so blessed. Um, but before we talk to today's guest, we have a few announcements. By we, I mean me. The first announcement is, as you heard in the past several episodes, we have a book club. The book club is on Patreon. So the Be Well Sis book club is on Patreon for the month of January. We are reading together Break the Cycle, a guide to healing intergenerational trauma by Dr. Marielle Bouquet. It is such a good read. She was actually our guest at the top of the year. Um, and Honestly, I wish I had had the opportunity to read the book before I spoke to her because there is so much meat and depth to the book that I wish I could have spoken to um, at the time. But no worries, we are reading it in community and you are invited. So again, visit patreon.com slash bewellsis to join the book club. Um, again, for the month of January, we're reading Break the Cycle, which is such a good read. It is insightful without being jarring. I read some books on trauma that have been just um, exhausting to read. This is not that at all. So join us. Next month, we will be reading a book on love because, you know, in honor of February being the month that we traditionally talk about love. So I will announce that book in the coming weeks. So soon. Um, so again, join us patreon.com slash be well sis. Um, the book club, the proceeds from the membership, which is $10 a month, it funds 
the production of this podcast. As much as I have tried to be every woman, as as old girl said, I am unable to do all the things and stay on top of all the things and do all the things at a high quality by myself. So the goal for this year is to be able to outsource editing of the podcast. That way I can be on time so you guys can get your episodes every single Tuesday and Friday um, without any hiccups. As you may notice, you may have noticed that we have not had any Friday episodes this um, month so far because my goodness, life has been life in. Um, I have every single intention to sit down and record the Friday episodes. There's just always something that comes up and I don't want to give you excuses, but I want to be honest. So with that being said, I need help and in order to get that help, it, it costs. So Again, the book club is on patreon.com slash bewellsis and the proceeds go towards the production of this podcast. The next uh, announcement or reminder that I have for you is that, baby, we are going to be in Cartagena, Colombia in August 2024. So that is this August in just a few months. So seven months from now, we will be in Cartagena and you need to be with there with us. So for five days, four nights, we will be getting our absolute lives in the beautiful culture that is Afro-Colombian, Afro-Indigenous culture of of the region. So join us. We're going to be eating good. We're going to be seeing the sights. We're going to be um, doing the excursions. We're going to be relaxing, pampering, dancing, all of the good things we are going to be doing. If one of your resolutions or one of your goals and aims for this year was to pour back into yourself or to travel more or to be in communion with other women and be in community with other women, this trip checks all of those boxes. So join us. The link is down below in the show notes, or you can visit www.thebewellsis.com slash retreat. If you want more information on exactly what we'll be doing, what airport to fly into, what the trip all entails, again, visit www.thebewellsis.com slash retreat. And the itinerary is laid out for you. Okay. And lastly, if you are new to the Be Well Sis tribe, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. So if you haven't already, please show your support to the show by leaving a five-star rating and review on whatever streaming platform you are listening on, especially on on Spotify and Apple Podcast. If you've already done those things, you've been there, done that. How about you share the podcast with a friend, sister, neighbor, coworker, anybody that you think would benefit from these conversations that we have here. So that brings us to the end of our announcements. Thank you for humoring me. And now let's hop into today's episode. So today's episode deals with addressing fat phobia, anti-blackness, what is what is body positivity versus body neutrality and all of those things. So, according to the University of Illinois School of Public Health, public health's focus on obesity prevention is inc- has increased exponentially within the last few decades, and with it, an increase in weight stigma and negative attitudes towards people in larger bodies. In the past decade, weight discrimination has increased by 66% and is one of the only forms of discrimination actively condoned by society. 
Decades of research have shown that experiencing weight stigma increases one's risk for diabetes, heart disease, discrimination, bullying, eating disorders, sedentariness, lifelong discomfort, and lifelong discomfort in one's body, and even early death. So in this episode, I've had the pleasure of speaking with the vibrant and inspiring Danny, who is a beacon of positivity and a body image coach. She shared her insightful perspectives on why self-love isn't enough to combat societal oppression such as racism and body discrimination, and she emphasizes the importance of societal change and creating a world where everyone is accepted regardless of their appearance. She has been featured on shows such as Dr. Phil and the Tamara Hall show where she discussed marrying herself. So if you've seen those episodes, this is who I'm talking about, the woman who married herself. And I actually love the concept. At first I was like, huh, what does that even mean? But in her describing the actual event, the purpose behind the event, it is actually really beautiful. And I think we need to have more of them. So I am going to stop blabbering and we're going to hop into today's conversation um, again with Danny Adams, who is also known on social media as I'm a pound cake. As always, thanks so much for joining. I am so, so glad you're here. Be well, sis. All right. So today I have a Danny. I'm a pound cake. Adams, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I appreciate you. Of course. Thank you for being here. Um, I have been following you. And first of all, you are just a light. I love your energy. Like you typically break up my feed, like all of the heaviness and like you're just bubbly and vibrant and your energy like flows like through the phone. And thank you for what you do and for what you put out into the world. Have to give you I that. appreciate you. Thank you. I, I, you know, I never like think about it like that. Like I'm helping people um like lift themselves so I appreciate you because I'm just trying to like live out loud so it feels good to hear that it's connected with folks I appreciate that absolutely it sure is um so I want to start with a topic um that you had mentioned you said self-love won't save us Mm -hmm. I want to hear your thoughts on that so what does that mean exactly yeah, I think that like we oftentimes see people like, oh, you just got to love yourself. You just got to love yourself. And I don't think people can like love themselves out of like different oppressions. And um, and so, for example, right, like as much as black folks love themselves, uh, there will still be something like um, discrimination based on your hair or mm-hmm. discrimination based on your skin. And that in those moments, it it can make you question yourself. It can be troubling. And I think that self-love alone isn't the answer that folks have to also think about social change. And how do we create a world where we can all live in this world and we not uh, ostracize people. We do not gatekeep resources based on the way that people look. Um, And even when it comes to weight, I can think think of that, right? Like you can love yourself but what about when you get on the airplane and the seats are so small, right? Or too small. They get too small for everybody. Yeah. Um, be completely honest. And, you know, like rem- it is a reminder that the society is not is not made for you. And that isn't good for folks' mental health. 
I agree. I, I a thousand percent agree. When I first started this journey, I was really trying to like pour into myself. Then I was just like, yes, that's important. But the reason that I pour into myself is that I can be good to the people around me because community sure. is super important, not only for us able to lean on each other, but also for us to advocate for each other. So you mentioned, um, body size, right? And one thing that I noticed that you are, you are a body image coach. So while we're in the midst of advocating for change, because it's absolutely necessary, um, how are some ways that we can accept ourselves as we are and simultaneously advocate for um, our place in the world as we are too? Yeah, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I think I do that, right? Like, I think it was a moment in my life where I realized that um, that I can, like, love me um, and also uh, grapple with, with, like, what's happening in society. And so what does that look like? It does, you know, internal joys, like, like real joy is beautiful. And I think um, finding, com- finding community, really taking care of yourself. And I don't mean like, you know, folks are like, oh, go to the gym. Mm-hmm. But what I mean is like creating boundaries so you feel well, um, you know, uh, taking moments and practicing mindfulness, um, cutting out things that don't make you feel well or conversations that don't make you feel well. For me, I've incorporated reading. It has boosted my, my self-esteem. Um, you know, uh, giving myself like a, a bedtime. I go to bed at 12. I don't sleep eight hours. Go to bed at 12 and I wake up at, at seven and that that is helpful to me. And so while doing all of that, I still work on diversity and inclusion issues. Um, I still, uh, you know, speak out against things that are wrong. I remember um, there was a point on my page where it was like social justice every day. Mm-hmm. And then I thought that that... For, for people like that, I thought that like that is the way that people are going to feel well. And the reality is like, I'm not always social justice outside of the internet. I'm having fun. You know, I am a silly girl. I'm a goofy girl. And so I wanted to incorporate that and, and show people like, you know, you can have a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was going to ask you that. I'm happy you mentioned that point is as you're doing hard work to make this world more just and more equitable for all of us how do you like when you encounter um like barriers right um pushback to what you're saying to your very real message your very necessary message how do you like pick yourself back up when you've had like a series of just uncomfortable conversations or just things are not progressing the way that you'd want them to progress how do you back into yourself and how do you yeah like take care of yourself I have a strong support system like my friends my family they love me I love (laughs) it um when things get tough I have folks that I can call on and I think a big part of that is that um I I think that I have become a good student of conflict so I don't cancel everybody in my life who does everything does things that I don't like um you know because I'm not going to be perfect with them and so my that's what makes my support system strong another piece of that is that uh you know I'm, I'm 10 years of working in social justice spaces 
So there's so I have also have so many people who are like me and I have leaders that I've seen deal with this. So I understand that when people have tension about the issue that I'm speaking about or that I'm addressing, that is not about me, whether they make it about me or not. Like some mm -hmm. people will say, oh, if I talk about you know, um, racism, they'll be like, she's only saying that because she's fat. I think the other day I was telling people, uh, we can have empathy for Jada, right? As well as Will. And mm -hmm. people are saying that is something that a 300 pound woman would say, like argue with the issue. And so whether, <laughs> yeah. And so I know um, that even if I'm speaking about mis misogyny or I'm speaking about racism, that the issue is not with me. The issue is that folks don't want to change. Mm -hmm. And so I don't I don't internalize it all. Mm. I, I think that just shows your emotional maturity because that is difficult. And the work that you do is not work that a lot of us can do because we don't have that emotional maturity and because we don't um, enforce the boundaries and because we don't have our own community. One thing that you mentioned is that you have friends and family that love on you. And I love that you said that you've become a student of conflict. Is that what you said? Yeah. Ooh, that is so good. A lot of us don't know how to have healthy conflict. And that's something that I'm learning too, is that A, I was one of those people that I would rather not say anything than have conflicting ideas and have any type of struggle in the in the conversation. Um, what brought you or how did you develop um, this idea and this healthy spirit about being um a student of conflict and being, I guess, embracing conflict. Yeah, I, I was like you. I would avoid conflict um, because I grew up like real Southern. So if uh, I wasn't allowed to like speak back and always like voice what I was feeling. And so I learned to just be quiet, even though I was uncomfortable about the situation. It showed up in romantic partnership. It showed up in friendships. And so I, I really had to learn, like, you're going to have nobody or you're going to have unhealthy relationships around you if you don't learn to say, hey, I am uncomfortable with this. I don't like this. This doesn't make me feel good. And this is the way that I like to be treated. This is the way I like to be spoken to spoken to and this is my boundary and you can stay here if you can practice these things because we say do these things right and it's like people who have practiced behaviors for a very long time can not always cut them off immediately they have to practice yeah and so I give folks the, that that room to practice and, and how did I get there is like during the time of like George Floyd, to, just to take it there, I was thinking a lot, like not just me, but lots of folks were talking about abolition. Mm -hmm. And during that time, and it's like, if I don't believe that, if I believe that Black people get to be imperfect, then I cannot punish them every time they make me feel uncomfortable or they do something wrong because I don't want to treat people as disposable and I don't want to be treated as disposable. And so I try to practice that. Mm, that is so beautiful. Oh my goodness. That is so beautiful. 
Ooh, I think what I have noticed online, maybe in again, the online space is that people have taken the word boundary and have run with it. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, they mean, well, my boundary means like they, whatever, they've overcrossed that my boundary. I gave them boundary. They overstepped this. So now they're out of my life. And you're right. That is very much treating people as if they're disposable. And to your point, you have to give people the chance to practice. And I love that so much. Um, just the word practice means that we're not, we're just trying to get better at whatever the the thing is. Doesn't mean that we're perfect at it already. Um, mm-hmm. that, so good. So, so good. Um, and I kind of want to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, the inner self-critic. So one of the things that I have been struggling with for a, a very long time, and I'm still working on it, is my inner voice. My inner voice is so mean. I would never talk to anybody, not my enemy, the way that I talk to myself. So how did you um, develop an, uh, a supportive inner critic, or not even an inner critic, but like take that inner voice and make it your supporter instead of your critic, I should say? Honestly, it took me a long time. It took therapy for me to realize that it was a critic Mm -hmm. Um, because I took my inner critic as my support system. Like Mm -hmm. that was my motivator. Like if when I talked down to myself, then the next thing I was like, okay, I could go do it. Right. Like I I felt, I felt the harm and it was my therapist who said, you know, you can live without that. Right. And it was like, I can't. Um, and that was the moment where I started to really like put in the work and try to reframe some of my thinking. If I think it, I would really either say it out loud or I would begin to think the opposite. The thing that I really at the core do believe about myself. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, like, you know, experiencing being a, a, a child with neuro- neurodivergent um and uh growing into an adult still is right and also being black and fat and dark and all the things and all the and and all of those identities I've experienced people saying something negative about me and so I was holding on to it like it was true um because I I felt like that's all I could be like whatever people had said about me and um then I realized like but that's not even your reality, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people be like, people don't like you uh, because you talk too much. And then it's like, but people really do like me, you know? And so I had to begin to tell myself the truth yeah. um, and speak the truth um, and not the truths that people gave me. And then, I, because when they gave me what those things, I began to make that a louder voice and I had to practice silence in it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I, I love that um, through the work that you've done, like within, like through therapy and all of that, that you have even taken it so far as to like marry yourself. I saw that you are um, yeah. Dr. Phil because you had married yourself. So tell me more about that for those who may not have um, seen um, that clip. <laughs> yeah, um, that's so interesting. Um, getting a call like a couple months after I married my sister, it's like, hey, we saw your wedding. I'm like, you saw it? <laughs> um, you, so I married myself in 2020, what, 2022 years going by so fast. 
I'm about to be. It's about to be my one year anniversary, December the 10th. Yes. And uh, I had a sologamy ceremony. And sologamy is just someone who marries themselves. I know there are different practices and beliefs. Like some of us marry ourselves because um, we're doing like a self commitment. Some people are making a commitment to be single forever. My commitment was to self love and community. Mm-hmm. At my wedding, not only did I marry myself, but I um, officiated every one of my guests' um, marriage. So all of them also married themselves because I believe that self-love is not just about you, but it's also, it's about community. Mm-hmm. And that when you have things in your cup, you can share it. Mm-hmm. And so what was so beautiful about my wedding was that people... At first, folks were like, what am I getting myself into? But I love this girl, so I'm going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so, and um, folks came out. I mean, my my friends flew from Texas. My other friend flew from South Africa. I mean, folks came from all over to, uh, to my wedding from Miami. And it was just a beautiful thing. It was champagne. It was a champagne and dessert wedding. Um, I had content creation stations because... I grew up with the camera and that's another part of like finding yourself. I found myself through photography. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been in front of the camera since I was a little girl. And so I wanted people to create content together and having um, removing the chairs immediately after after the ceremony, uh, people started communicating and talking to people they didn't know Mm -hmm. and taking pictures with people that they didn't know and sharing intimate stories about their their self-love stories um, because they were somewhere where the environment was curated for people to love on each other. And that's what I wanted. I wanted love. Some of my friends from high school was there. I, I know I saved a couple seats for my followers. It was just beautiful. And, you know, every piece, of the ceremony for my vows. I wrote my vows in therapy. Um, my dress, you know, my, my dress was chocolate. Like me, I wanted my dress Love to be it. me. <laughs> every, it just everything. My my nephew, it was a moment. I'm telling you everything, but there was a moment where my nephew was supposed to walk before me. And he was slowing up my wedding, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I was like, well, what's going on? And they said, King is crying. And my nephew was, um, what was he, four at the time? And I mm-hmm. said, they said, well, let's go sit him in a seat. I said, no, I got out of the car and I went and hugged him because, you know, when I was having a meltdown when I was four, that's what I wanted somebody to do to me. Mm-hmm. And so I went in, uh, well, he was five, and I, I went and hugged him. And I dried his eyes and I said, you want to walk with TT? And he said, yes. He was crying because he didn't want to walk by himself. Yeah. Um, and so, honestly, it was just a beautiful thing because he was proud. He was happy. I was happy. And I know some folks probably feel like, well, that was your moment. But it, it really wasn't. You know, my nephew also learned I hope in that moment when he looks back at life like you know it's okay to have a meltdown even on important days mm-hmm. even on important days and um yeah I loved my ceremony it was beautiful I love it and uh, I was thinking about a couple of things about how when we think about celebrations as we get um older like in adulthood it's usually like around like marriage or having a baby or something we don't really celebrate 
each other just to celebrate each other. And I really love that you create a moment. So that way, not only could you be celebrated, but people can celebrate themselves as well. I think that is, I think that should be like standard practice, really. I think it's a beautiful idea and to really cultivate community because we we don't do things like this anymore. And to your point um, regarding your, your nephew, I can imagine that he'll look back one day and be like, oh, I had a meltdown, but TT had me, you know, like, yes. Yeah. And, that's, and that's all we want as, as people to feel like somebody has us whenever we're falling apart. You know, I had a thought about, and I'm not sure of the, the right terms to use, um, but I've been seeing discourse about body positivity versus body neutrality. Um, any thoughts or, or insight on that? What is the difference and why the distinction? So this is interesting. I literally just had a conversation about this last week um, because I also um, train professionals on body image coaching. So folks who are uh, who want to feel good about their bodies or at peace with their bodies. I train doctors, dietitians, trainers, um, and body neutrality is a part of our curriculum. Mm -hmm. And it was created by a Black woman, but it was co-opted by white women. Oh, is um, it? Mm -hmm. And it, the term has flipped. Now, I would say what I learned about body neutrality is like, you're at peace with your body, right? That is the way that is permanent, like permanent. That's the way it is discussed today. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is it is difficult for black folk, brown folk, disabled folk to feel neutral about their bodies. As I said earlier in this conversation, when there is a structure that mm -hmm. is disenfranchising those folks based on their bodies. Yeah. So like, yeah, white people, okay mm -hmm. you can feel at peace with your body um because there isn't a structure right that is uh harming you right and mm -hmm. so body positivity is like i feel good about my body i'm okay with my body i love my body i want to think positive i would like to say to be honest with you neither other term really resonates with me mm. i believe in like body liberation mm-hmm and I think that, you know, we should reimagine beauty mm -hmm. in, in itself, right? Like, that's all I talk about is, like, it's important for us to reimagine beauty. Mm -hmm. But but for me, it's like body liberation is that I want, I just don't want to see people in crop tops, right? I want to see little girls when they go to school that their bees aren't being taken out of their head because the teacher says it's a distraction, Right. I want to live in a world where women have the right to choose whether or not they want to have an abortion. So when I right. think about body liberation, I'm talking about uh, structures, social and political and economic structures aren't based on people's bodies, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I want Black men to be able to walk down the street and not be harassed by police officers. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for me to think of, you know, the most marginalized being neutral about their bodies. Trans people are killed truly in their bodies all the time. I could be wrong, but that is that is my feeling. That is my thinking. As I read the literature, it does not resonate with me. Understood. Understood. And it makes so much sense. Um, 
you just gave me like a, a quick masterclass on what these words mean. Cause I'm trying to be more intentional about the words that I use. Um, so I want to learn the words before I even use them. So this makes perfect sense. Um, body liberation makes sense because you want to be free to exist within your body without any obstruction, um, to, to anything, all of your at minimum basic human rights. I completely mm-hmm. get that. I get that. And I, and I think about myself as a kid or since childhood, I should say, um, similar to you, like all of the labels and all the things that were put on me as a little girl before I even really had agency over my body or, really, or even really recognized my body. I was told to cover up this body or don't yes. stay out in the sun too long because this body's going to get darker. You don't want to get darker. Like all of these things where these seeds were planted in our heads. So by the time we get to like teens, twenties, thirties, of course, you're not going to be thrilled about the body that you're in because there's so many restrictions. So yeah. yeah. Ooh, I, I really get that. Um, So I want to go back to the work that you do. So you said you work with nutritionists, with doctors, with just about everybody um, with body image. So you help them to, in what ways do you um, educate them? I should say. Yes, Summer Internet and I, we run the Body Image Coaching Certification Program. We've been running it for two years now. Um, And so what that program does is we teach professionals about um, how to work with folks who are struggling with their inner critic. Um, we We teach them about mirror work. We also teach about the history of fat phobia and this in this direct roots to anti-blackness, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we have we t- teach about how to to help people create a practice of self care um, because I like to say this right like when you've grown up being obsessed with calories you don't know what else to do with your time because you've always done that with your time mm-hmm. you need to be taught how to uh, to do self care mm-hmm. and so. As someone um, who also has a creative practice of self-care, that is the session that I teach. Uh, And so there's about 10 sessions um, and it's about four months, over four months. And people learn about how to help people who are living in the body. I love it. I love it. And I especially love that you work with medical professionals too, because I have such a, I, I really hate that whenever we go to the doctor, um, the first thing is, oh, it's your weight. No, 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 no. Like, I feel like that's a very lazy approach. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really happy that you're, you speak to a ton of folks because this permeates every aspect of life. Um, all right. Thank you um, so much. Of course. So where can the people find you, follow you, sign up for your course? Um, all of those good things. Sure. Um, people can find me at I'm a pound cake, AMA pound cake. Um, and you also can um find me on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram using that name, I'm a pound cake, AMA pound cake, or you can go to I'm a pound That's AMA pound Beautiful. And I will link all that below as well. So that way it's just an easy click for you to go ahead and follow and learn more about her. Thank you so much, Danny. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your spirit. Like I told you before and all that you're doing in the world, you, we, you, you're doing much needed work and we're grateful. I'm grateful for it. Thank you. Thank you. So are you be well, sis? Yes. Trying. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Be Well Sis podcast. 
more information on anything discussed in this episode, please see the show notes and or visit www.bewellsispodcast.com. Oh, and don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple. Until next time, be well, sis.